We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Matas is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, and being a husband and girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top part show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and we are on the one-week anniversary of the Lakers winning their 17th NBA championship, and we're going to be uh, bringing to you a series on just different people that we feel deserve acknowledgement and a, a closer look, as we always say, at the year that they had, the contribution that they made to the Lakers championship. And we're going to start today with Rob Polenka. But before we get there, uh, we've got some news regarding the, the LFR pod. Uh, we're going to be moving to three times per week during this offseason with episodes coming out on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And Wednesdays will be general NBA and we'll have some interviews on Fridays. Although since we're still figuring that out, that may move around a little bit. But that's generally the idea Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes throughout the course of this offseason. And 
Just like the Lakers, despite winning a title, we are always looking to upgrade our roster. And uh, we have, in a in a very big way, um, we will be joined going forward as a co-host by a, a man. He is a uh, been the Lakers sideline reporter for the last twelve years. He is a three time NBA champion, the one and only Mike Trudell. Welcome to the podcast, man. Wow, that is very very kind, Pete. And I think what you forgot there. This is really an X's and O's move, okay? This is Coach Pete, Coach Darius, and you guys wanted to get to some zone looks, all right? You've been in man-to-man. You want it. Now we can do a little 1-1-1. You can do a 2-1. You can do a 1-2. There are a lot of – it brings some more versatility. I'm planning on talking to Frank Vogel, Darius, about those very things to see what he suggests. Nobody makes better in-game adjustments. At least that's what I'm saying after what we saw in the finals. Uh, a week ago today, guys, I got the news that Alex Caruso was going to start. Uh, right. So that, that was the adjustment of all adjustments, Darius. And, you know, this, and, and again, in this case, feel free to deploy me as you wish here. You know, I only wish I could say that I was as smart as Frank Vogel. I think that this was done more behind the scenes, right? And, and Pete was working on ideas. And then he said, Hey, Darius, I've got a good idea. We're going to bring in Mike Trudell. And there's that sort of brain exploding emoji. That, that I love how this is my idea, by the way. I wish that was my idea. It was not, but I'm I'm with it. Yes, give give me credit. More please. credit, Pete. More. Okay. More. Yeah. The film room needs his credit. <laughs> you motherfucker. Keep talking. Wait, he's a Laker employee, as am I. We are two Laker employees here. You know. Oh Lord, have mercy. But yeah, we, a week ago, guys, today, and I here's the the one thing that I've been thinking about because we've had every other sport on. So I've been watching English Premier League soccer. We've had the NFL. Of course, the Dodgers are on their run. And at, at the time we're recording, um, that uh, game seven is about to happen. And the one thing about that, while it's great in some instances, I feel like it's gotten away from just that relaxation slash celebration slash, uh, it's all Lakers all the time. That's what everybody you know needs to continue to think about. They haven't really had a chance, Pete, um, to, to just revel in that. And I think that ends up helping next year uh, in a lot of ways, but I, I digress. I want to keep on that focal point. Like we, we just haven't been able to just enjoy, right, that Lakers title and then nothing else happens for a while. Hey, man, I got a group chat and like we won the title like and two days later, half the team was being traded in the group chat. It's, oh, it's man. very important. Like, let's be in the moment of this. And that's something that with this podcast we're going to do with a lot of our Lakers episodes is we're going to keep celebrating this title. It's We will look ahead. And, and there's certainly, you know, there's more to be done. It's all part of the Lakers story. But I want to, like, I want to cherish this and appreciate this because, like you said, man, it's it's easy to, to just keep it moving. So in that spirit, we're going to look back on the prominent Lakers who had their hand in this just incredible 2020 NBA championship. And we're going to start with Rob Palenka. I want to flash back in time to when Magic Johnson stepped down and Jeannie Buss and Linda Rambis and Kurt Rambis and and the whole Lakers brain trust decided that Palenka is going to be the guy that we're going to go with, with a lot of noise on the outside of which we contributed to as well, saying, hey, let's... This was like seven years ago, right? <laughs> right? It's like you got the little flashback. Dude. I don't remember how long ago that's Oh, man, what a freaking year this has been, right? Oh, goodness. So that's why it's important. That's why I really want to... There's This is the wildest year of all time and we got to tell the stories of it so we flashed back seven years ago or one year ago as it were and 
to a time when Magic Johnson has just stepped down, Genie and the Brain Trust decide, Palenka, you're our guy. Darius, what is what did Rob Palenka step into now that we've got the benefit of hindsight in the bigger picture? Turmoil. Pure turmoil. Look, like, we can make jokes about what the outside perspective was or try to, like, play that up as some sort of fake thing, right? Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's actually the case, really. No, Like, Mm -hmm. you can – and I think you can can differentiate between what the brain trust inside the organization turned their focus to and how they sort of rallied – and brought forward the best version of what they wanted things to be. But that still can't be completely separated from the fact that Magic Johnson did hold a press conference, an impromptu press conference, on the last day of the regular season, like a half an hour or 45 minutes before tip-off. He did say... I'm not going to be here and was shaking his head and was saying that he hadn't even told Gene the bus yet. And then he did go on to later, both through media leaks, strategic leaks, right? There was information that was getting out there as well as like a straight up media appearance on ESPN sort of speaking to the faults of Rob Palinka, right? And all of this just sort of built on, I think, what was sort of the perception of Rob Palinka in general at the time. It, it, it played up, I think, the worst ideas that were out there about him. And that stuff, for better or for, and mainly for worse, took a foothold, I think, in everyone's mindset, right? A, a, about the direction the organization was going, the calamity that was existing within the highest of the order of what well, well, of the organization. And this idea, though, that that things were, oh, things were going to be just fine. I, I mean, I didn't feel that way. I don't mm-hmm. think you felt felt, no. felt felt that way, Pete. And that idea. I sort of did. That's good. And this is why we have you here, Mike, because your vantage point on this is as an insider, right? Like we can make jokes now about, oh, Pete's a Lakers employee, but you've been a Lakers employee for well over a decade. And the vantage point in which you see things as is going to be much different from the outsider's perspective that I think even people like Pete and I, who are eating up every bit of news and even some of the offline conversations that we're having with people who are close to the organization or people who who cover the organization daily those are going to be different than the perspective that that you bring so so talk me back then in terms of like where things were viewed from the inside potentially during that like this was 18 months ago like we talk about it being a year ago but this was april may june of 2019 we're now in october of 2020 so so what was different well so my this is going to I'll center this on palinka right into uh, to uh, to fit you know where we're going with this episode now at the time i was doing a lot of espn radio still and the point that i kept thinking of and kept trying to make was Okay, Rob Palenka had a very, very similar path as Bob Myers. 
Okay, so he plays college basketball at a very high level. Uh, if people forget, of course, he was on the Fab Five team. Uh, Bob Myers plays at UCLA, both on great teams. They both go to law school. Um, they both go to a, a big-time sports agency, um, succeed there, and then Palenka eventually starts his own agency and has incredible success. Okay, one of the best sports agents, and and I was a little bit biased towards that because he was Kobe Bryant's agent, and me knowing Kobe a, a little bit uh, and being around him a lot was like, okay, well – if Kobe trusts this guy, this guy has yeah. to be super, super smart because Kobe suffered no fools, period, ever. Yes. You could not be a fool and be in Kobe's orbit. Like, just think about the people that he aligned himself with after he got done playing. It was, like, the best composer, the best writer, the best whatever. Like, this was what Kobe did. And so I came into this whole thing thinking, all right, well, if if Kobe is like, yeah, Rob, that's the job that you should go take, you will kill it. I kept thinking that the whole time. So to rewind to the point where you were talking about Darius, at that time, Magic Johnson was still in charge of basketball decisions and had the final say on things. And before that, of course, it was Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss. And and I kept thinking, let's let's wait and see when Rob has that final answer. And of course, it's it's through the system. It's with Jeannie um, and and uh, Linda and now Kurt being involved in that mix. But like ultimately, still Rob is that main as that main basketball decider, like I, I, I actually think there's a, a very clear Bob Myers path where he is, he knows the entire personnel in the NBA because he represents a lot of the good players or he's trying to get the good players to be represented by him. Um, he knows the draft because he's been signing guys out of the draft. He knows how to work with a lot of these people. And like, let's, so I had a lot of these reasons for optimism and, and I, Pete, I won't get ahead. So I'll kick it back to you before we get to sort of the moves that he mm-hmm. made. But those, that was the lens that I was seeing things through as opposed to what it, what it appeared. And there were, there are many reasons for this, right? In, including, uh, but there are many reasons it appeared otherwise, but that was my perspective on, on the whole thing. Yep. Look, man. So from a fan's perspective, that was an annoying ass seven years and I don't trust any of y'all, right? Like none of y'all have done anything in your current roles to inspire confidence. I'd reached a, a, frust- a frustration point with everything that had happened. We signed LeBron, but we missed the playoffs. I know we have all these injuries LeBron. and all that. That was the yeah. other reason for my confidence series. They had LeBron James, but okay. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. He's good. Exactly. He's pretty good. So yes. So from that fan perspective, uh, I had been blinded to to some things that were very obvious. Had I stopped and thought about, about what you said, said for 15, 15 seconds, seconds about Kobe, Kobe and the people that Kobe had in his orbit, they were very close on a personal level. Kobe entrusted his career to this guy. And so what Kobe must have thought of him to pick that guy – you know what I mean? When yeah. when Kobe, like you said, he didn't suffer fools, and that was always the part of that Shaq Kobe dynamic, right? Is is that Kobe was, you know, frustrated about practices, and he wanted everybody to follow his mindset, and Shaq was on the different end of a spectrum, or at least in in that certain way. Um, and so he didn't care who you were, he didn't care what your status was. Uh, you had to actually be good at what it is that you do. I was just so frustrated. And Palenka was part of a regime that I thought did not do particularly well prior prior to that series, season. So he started from a place of like, maybe this guy's going to be good, yeah. but we don't know. And we're the 
freaking Lakers, and this is a part of the entitlement, right? Is we're the Lakers, we need the very best that there are, right? And, and people who are established with reputations when in reality, the guy who was doing the work all along was already there, and that's who Jeannie ended up choosing. So let's take a quick break, and we're going to talk about what Polinka did with that opportunity, despite all of the noise. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Darius, we go into the summer of 2019, and... The whole basketball world is waiting on Kawhi Leonard to make a decision between reportedly the Lakers, Clippers, and Raptors. And that drags on a bit during the free agency period. Yeah. To the point where a lot of the free agent market was kind of waiting for that decision to be made, but... Not all of it. A lo- a lo- not, not all of it, right? Not all of it. <laughs> That's right. And so you, we get, find ourselves at a point where there's not a whole lot left on the free agent market. And we're watching Summer League in Las Vegas, and there's an earthquake in Vegas, and then there's an earthquake on our phones. About 30 minutes later, we get the the alert, Chris Haynes reports, Kawhi Leonard is going to the Los Angeles Clippers. Then a little bit later, the report, Paul George is being traded, and then all hell breaks loose in the NBA world, right? That is the stage... uh, after trading for Anthony Davis, right, and perhaps yeah. we should rewind to that. So include that in, in your answer. Talk to me about the moves that, that Rob made over the summer. No, so look, I do want to, and I'm glad you brought up the AD trade, because that, I think, was the first step in terms of like, hmm, he, he got, got it done, done, right? And if there was a pivot point for me, even though I did th- – look, I wrote about this. I thought he gave up a bit too much at the time, mm-hmm. um, not because I didn't think super highly of Anthony Davis and and his talent. But remember, too, there was the issue around, like, the number four pick and, like, these are CBA technicalities, right? But whether or not they were going to be able to aggregate the salary of the number four pick in order to include it as salary ballast in order to – better represent a trade right Mm -hmm. and not have to give up as much and so there was stuff around that where even the big picture was the lakers got anthony davis that's great but he i still felt like rob was taking shots from the side a little bit right about oh well he was an agent but how well does he know the cba did did he know this rule Right. And, and there was lots of little things like that. He and did, then, did, by the way, we found out later. But yes, we, yeah. yes, this, this was silly. he did. Well, well, also, too, of course he did. He was a freaking agent yeah. for 20 something years. He's going to know the rules around when a draft pick salary counts against the salary cap or not. It was a time where the 
the silliest of suggestions of incompetence about the Lakers were given the most credence, right? Because we were so frustrated after the end of that season that we'd believe anything. When in retrospect, like, of course he knew that. That permeated through the roster, right, and through the entire season where I felt like I was on crazy pills being like, hold on, you you guys realize it's LeBron, AD, a bunch of two-way players, uh-huh. bets, right? Like they, they, they should be the favorite. People were like, no. ah, they, they, people were still kind of um, like the Lakers needed to win them over. I, I can vouch for Mike on this, by the way. M- Mike in the in the group text was like, "This is the best team in basketball, guys." You know, like it, it was. What what was it that was so obvious to you uh, at the time? Because you absolutely called this before anyone I, I know anyone else I knew. Let did. me let me get it back to Darius for yeah, because I'll, I'll, I'll I want I'm curious the rest of your take though, because you were kind of laying out the these side shots and such that Rob was well, taking in this context. Well, to speak to Pete's point and then to jump back on what what I was saying as well, there was a strong lack of benefit of the doubt that the Lakers were getting at the time. And I think that was almost a universal opinion about the franchise, likely from from everyone except those within the organization, right? And so and when you're inside of something, even then, and this is no shade at, like, Lakers staff, and we've got Mike here now, and so I'm definitely not throwing shade at Mike, but I think that there's often an idea that can exist that, like, well, we're inside this. We see the direction that something is going, and so I see this from my vantage point, and I see the positives with this. The unfortunate thing about, I think, media coverage is is that it's very rare that outsiders get that inside glimpse, right? And then even if they do get that that inside glimpse, it is then often filtered through a different perspective that is going to take what it wants from from that internal view and then cast it out to the world to frame it however they feel like it should be framed from their own perspective, right? And so it's like a game of telephone where I don't get Jeannie Buss's version or Rob Palinka's version. I get reporter X's version of a version that they heard from this other person who has a version of what Jeannie or Rob might be thinking, right? And and so I think as, as, outsiders we we did not have a lot of the benefit of the doubt and then i think that 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 did mike to your point permeate through the coverage and shape perception about the team and there was a lot of stuff that i thought was if not outright unfair it was approaching it was on the other side of neutral right which is something that i i strive to be neutral when I'm talking about something, I call it like I see it, and that's just what what it is. But it's always hard when there's all this other stuff that that is shaping that, right? So, but back to my main main point, there 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 was all of this stuff that I that I felt like Rob was taking hits from from the side. Forget before we even get to free agency, he hires Frank Vogel, right? And again. I like Frank Vogel. Pete, Pete, you and I both talked, I think, glowingly about Vogel's credentials as a defensive coach, as as a thinker of the game, as someone who had been around the block multiple times. But even that was framed as, oh well, didn't they really want Ty Lue? And mm-hmm. and well, you know, they had this long sit down twice with with Monty Williams, but he chose the Suns. So there was all of this again, sort of the negative Jason framing, Kidd, the Jason, the Jason Kidd, Kidd stuff, part, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, 
So by the time you actually get to free agency, I think that, again, there's just not a lot of benefit of the doubt that the Lakers are moving in the right direction, even though they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Once free agency started, and as Pete was saying, the whole world is waiting on a Kawhi Leonard decision. That decision finally comes, and you can go back to my uh the Clippers collapse pod and listen to my rant about the aftermath of that decision. But, Mike, very quickly, the Lakers came and pivoted and built a roster almost what what felt like out of thin air but i'd love for you to sort of go back in time a little bit talk about some of these transactions that rob palinka executed and then i think we could transition to how these all fit much better than what i think a lot of people were giving them credit for and to do that i want to take 30 seconds to look back at the previous season which was not nearly as bad as everybody remembers because they were num- they were the fourth in the West when LeBron got hurt on Christmas Day after they beat the Warriors. I was up in Darius's hood. Um, it, it would have been nice to get some more time to see him in person that day, uh, but again, it was Christmas. So if LeBron doesn't get hurt, and that's the only time in his 17-year career that he has missed significant time, <laughs> then Brandon Ingram and Lonzo get hurt. That's yeah. why the team, that's why the team was a mess down the stretch. If they all stay healthy, they probably end up in like anywhere from the four to the six. Ah. They definitely win their first round playoffs. You got, we've all seen LeBron play in the playoffs, haven't we? You remember there was that game, LeBron had gotten hurt and we'd lost a couple of games early in this road trip, but then they got, you remember that overtime win we had against OKC yeah. at OKC where all the young kids balled out. Then in the very next game, Lonzo's got like eight points and 11 assists at Houston, then the sprained ankle. So it kind of speaks to this, like this snake bitten type of, and it, that really clouded our, our judgment on a lot of things. That's what happened to that season. Okay. Like was the yeah. instruction perfect? Like no, it wasn't yet because they didn't have all the tools in their cupboard yet. And they, like, they were still getting off some of the old money. It was all still coming together. Um, like, we're, like we make so much of Lance Stevenson, right? For example, and Rondo before he started to play like Rondo, the Beasley thing. Yes, I get that. Could they have like Jared Dudley, for example, would have fit much better into that, but then they learned from that or at least Rob did. So that's just when we talk about like this whole last couple of years of the Lakers, I, I just like to remind people that that team was, was on track. Um, to probably win a playoff series. Now, mm. scratch that and let's, let's just move forward. So, Rob Palenka and Darius, you said that it seemed like this, this roster almost accumulated like out of thin air. Well, it didn't because Palenka had like super detailed plans, right? For where, for where they were going to go and who he was going to sign. And of course, the first one is Danny Green. So after the trade gets completed, and, and by the way, it's not just that, that half the roster goes to New Orleans. Then they had to send Wagner and Bonga uh, and Jones to Washington in order to free up some additional spots to bring in some vets that want to come. So in comes Danny Green, uh, who, you know, two-way player and just per, uh, the perfect on-paper fit next to LeBron and AD. Then they signed DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, which I was very intrigued by um, for a number of reasons. We know that a couple months later, he tears his ACL. Um, then on July 7th, Alex Caruso is re-signed. And it, they they got no credit for that at the time, but I would have been in a full panic had Alex Caruso gone anywhere else because they knew how good he was. Like there were He and LeBron's two-man lineup at data was almost as good last year too. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't mm-hmm. just, it wasn't like just this year. So that we had already seen plenty of signs about yeah. Caruso. Then Jared Dudley 
And again, to me, he didn't play much, but super critical locker room presence throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And like, so that I thought was a really, uh, was a really good move. The next day, July 8th, they sign Avery Bradley and re-sign Rajon Rondo. And so, boom, that's basically the entire roster in addition to, you know, JaVale, KCP, they re-sign, um, Quinn Cook comes in. But so this, this whole thing comes together in about three days there. Uh, Pete, so do, do you you want to hit on that real quick, and then we'll we can talk about what you would ask me earlier. Why I thought almost from day one that everybody was crazy not to see what was on the roster. Yeah, so that series of moves speaks to a degree of preparation, right? With with everything that transpired with Kawhi and the timing of that, in order to put together a cohesive roster, he would have had to be very prepared for not only. Plan B, this is what we'll do if Kawhi doesn't sign with the team, but have spoken to every party involved, agents and players, and probably had to fill them in on they understood the deal where, you know, this is what we're off, but we've got another thing that we're chasing ahead of this, and and there's a degree of coordination and collaboration. It's funny. Coordination, collaboration, and cohesion are the three words that come to mind in terms of Polinka's, you know, vision for, for the team. It's defense. It's defense and physicality. The approach is, okay, we don't have that much money. We're late in the free agent market. How do we build around LeBron James and Anthony Davis? How do we build a championship team under these circumstances? And what I believe, this is speculative on my part, but what it looks like in hindsight is that he looked at the market and he said, we've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are two of the most physically imposing players in the league, right? Not the biggest, but the most physically imposing due to their skill to go along with their size. How do we capitalize on our greatest strength? And shore up as many weaknesses as we can. Because in those circumstances, you can't build a roster, I don't think, where you get every skill set that you want represented. So it becomes, how do you prioritize what and when? So in looking at how the physicality and defensive capabilities of the roster, that was something that really stood out to me on, you know, having limited resources to work with, that we came away with that kind of team, Darius. I would also say, too, that it seemed like what Palinka was prioritizing was not only defense, right, and and a certain amount of toughness and size, right, but it was shooting as well. It was floor spacing. Now, this sort of goes to Mike's point about the roster the previous season, and I think what is super important of any leader is to learn from the things that did not work and adjust and tweak accordingly, right? And and so Mike mentioned Quinn Cook, right? Another outside shooter. He mentioned a name that didn't come up was Troy Daniels. He was also a name that was linked to the team very early in the free agency process. Now, Daniels on the same day as Dudley and Bradley. Yeah, and he had a role early during the season, right? And I think that this is something that we'll get into in future pods in terms of the evolution of this roster within the same season, right? And how roles got adjusted and how they were able to find the best version of themselves by the time that the playoffs came came around. This is a topic that Pete and I have sort of touched on during previous pods, but I think it's super interesting. And it speaks to Vogel, I think, in terms of that same idea of cohesion and um, communication and and adaptability. This idea of building out a roster of, of players who were smart, who could play hard, 
who had, um, if they were one-way players offensively, the one-way skill was going to be shooting, right? And the goal was still to, to build a roster out that was filled with as many two-way players as possible, right? And I don't think Bradley's reputation was very high at the time that they signed, signed him. And, and Pete and I had a certain level of critique and understanding about the Bradley signing, but he, he had had a good second half of the season the year before. Um, he had a history as well with Rob Palinka. And, and so I think that there was this idea that all of these guys can play. They're all going to bring a certain physicality and toughness, physically and mentally. And we're going to build the roster out to compete with a certain amount of force. And a, a word that Palinka's used in the past is is thrust, right? And and I think you can see his fingerprints on all of this stuff. Meanwhile, in the moment, there's a lot of people thinking like this roster or. Some very loud people, maybe not a lot of the people, but some loud people saying this roster doesn't make sense. But Mike, you thought it made sense the, the entire time. So, so talk to us some about what you were seeing and whether or not too, if any of that was, was influenced from internal belief from the folks who were pulling the strings on some of these moves. Yeah. So they eventually, right. So Rob signs Dwight Howard, uh, which there was, you know, speaking of skepticism, for yes. somebody coming in and Laker fans uh, in particular, because of how the marriage went the first time around, uh, you know, we could, we don't need to rehash those days at the moment. And then how Dwight had had his struggles in Washington and Charlotte, like, like it, it just had not worked out. And so, but how good did the, does that move look in hindsight now that Polinka was able to bring him in? There were other players, right. That when they end up going to other teams, he makes that choice. And then he gets Markeith Morris, a key member of the nine man rotation in February for nothing. So just to kind of round out what the roster was, and of course we should mention Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, who looked great in the playoffs mm-hmm. when he was in mm-hmm. there. Another Jesse, Jesse Buss special, him and Palenka, um, number 46 pick. But so I'll, let me, I'm, I'll be as, as, uh, as brief as I, and, and concise as I can in, in summarizing why I thought this team was so good. It's like, hey, hey guys, they have two of the five best players in the NBA. They both play both sides of the court. And, and if you go small or if you go big, they can both protect the rim and they can both get to the rim whenever they want. That is basically how you win playoff basketball games. Then you just, you consider LeBron's sort of ability to make everybody else on the floor better. And the fact that AD doesn't have to do that because LeBron's out there and all you got to do is put some two way players that are going to play really hard on there. And the Lakers had plenty of those guys, most notably KCP and Danny Green, the two two way wings and then Alex Caruso, another two-way wing, who, you know, look, we don't think about him as much for his offense, but he makes so many smart plays that you guys have each diagrammed in in written form, Pete, with your videos. Like, so he ended up helping the offense a lot, too, because he's going to set the screen. He's not going to need the ball. He's going to cut to the hoop, right? Even if he doesn't hit his open shot, he's still helping the offense. So that those right there are three of your key, key two-way guys, and that's without even expecting anything from Rondo, who turns in, and what does he give you in the postseason? So... That to me, I just, I, I didn't, under, there wasn't another roster that I looked at in the NBA and was like, oh yeah, that, that team should definitely beat the Lakers, especially in crunch time with a playoff roster. The Clippers were the team that came closest to me because they had George and they had Leonard, but I thought that their real issue was that Lou Williams and Harrell wanted to play a certain way off the bench. They weren't going to come in and just play supporting roles around Kawhi and Paul George. And that was already taken care of on the Lakers by the roster. 
construction. And I, again, I didn't mention Kuz, another two-way guy. So yeah, I, like I, I ended up not being as concise as I wanted to, Pete. Hey, you are on the right podcast. If you don't want to be concise, you're yeah. in the right place. Like let, let it fly, Mike. Those, these were all kind of <laughs> September takes that I had, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then Dwight Howard and Rondo end up being the guys that surprised me. But the rest of it, I thought uh, should have been more obvious. I would just say too that there was a point in time, and I think I said this online in the in the early stages of of October, but a simple formula of LeBron, Anthony Davis, defense, and some shooting. That is a tried and true formula. Now, was their ceiling going to be championship? Well, automatically, what did we think that there were potential, like potential ball handling issues or was the depth all the way there? Was, was every skill set accounted for? I think that those were doubts that, that probably all of us had at one point or another over the course of the season. But the simple roster construction was there. And I was actually surprised more people didn't see things down your path, Mike, even if it wasn't with super optimism about like, oh, this is the best team in the league. But at least from from the outset, oh, yeah, this team should be contending for like the top one or two seeds in the conference and their floor should be second round playoffs and their ceiling should be like, Oh, top tier championship contender. Pete, let me kick this to you. Uh, I want to, I want to just, let me try to set this up for you. If things are even relatively close, right. And I thought, you know, again, the Clippers could be relatively close. The Bucks may be, may be close. We'll see about Denver. We'll see if Houston gets together, Boston, whatever. If they're close, give me LeBron. In a playoff series, in a game, like LeBron is the ultimate tiebreaker. It's he also should have won MVP, but like if things were close, and I thought the Lakers had the overall slightly best roster, but if it's close, mm-hmm. give me LeBron James. Let's give him his respect. But you're giving us LeBron James at age 35 after what you said earlier was the biggest injury of his career. We saw we had Kobe not that long ago in a similar position where he had to drag a team. And he has suffered a major injury, and yeah, he was never the same. Injury. Different major. I, I understand that. It's, I, I'm saying that there is a there is a collective Lakers trauma, <laughs> right? Of watching. A, he had, he had the, a full off season for the first time in his entire career. Mike, the, you're right. Previous times. Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm telling you just that that we were emotionally damaged at fair, the time, fair. right? And you. Having been part of this, and this that's why it's so cool to have your perspective on the show now. You were saying this all along, right? Everything you're saying now isn't just hindsight, oh, they won the title. Obviously, the Lakers were great. You were saying this stuff all along. And so from the outside, though, rooting for the team, it had been a rough seven years for a fan base that was not used to those, those types of stretches. Let's bring it back to Rob Plinka. The framework of, oh, defense and shooting and two superstars, obviously that's a great formula, but I, I think, I don't think the defense and shooting should be assumed. The shooting was more touch and go than the defense was, but to get that much defense and that much shooting together collectively for the amount of money that he had to spend really 
takes talent on the scouting, and that's credit to him and a credit to his staff for identifying guys who could, like, yeah, that guy can defend. He, Avery Bradley's a great point-of-attack defender. We know what we have internally with Alex Caruso. KCP, we need a guy to be able to chase shooters off of screens. Did a nice job on Duncan Robinson in that game six. He's a good lock-and-trail guy, right? And everybody are kind of these aggressive defenders where we've, we know we've got these backline guys who are fast that can fit in any type of lineup as rim protectors with Anthony Davis and even LeBron James. And the, the cohesiveness of being able to find all of those attributes with the money that we had to spend, that is really where Palinka did his best work. Uh, he got the superstar and built the team that fits around those two superstars in the same offseason. That never happens. And so, Let's take another break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about does Polinka, what are the challenges that faces him as we go forward? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. So right now, go to Indeed.com backslash podcast. All right. So, so Mike, you were the optimist going into last offseason and into last season. And the realist in turn to be the realist. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Let's start here. There's a, a great urge to run it back. What are the, the challenges and the, the benefits, but also the drawbacks of choosing to run it back with basically the same roster. Yeah. So it's Pete, it's interesting because you, you spoke about that emotional frame of mind that I think uh, that a lot of people were looking at this team and somebody that grew up with them and lived and died with them. Like you, that, that is one, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's an advantage that I have, but like I did not grow up a Lakers fan. Of course. I'm no, it is an advantage. That. You can, and, yes. And so I came to the team right as in, as a reporter. And so me going, having gone to journalism school, I, even though it's in my best interest for the Lakers to win, it's better for my life. And so, yes, there's certainly a big part of me that wants that to happen. Um, and I care a lot about all the people that work in the organization. I still, I, I think that I can approach it from that, from a point that I couldn't for the Minnesota Vikings or Manchester United, where I just get so mad at every loss and so emotional <laughs> about it. Right. And so that I've been able, I, it's like, I kind of view it since it's my job. I can view it and I, I just, I put on sort of my game face when I'm going into it. That doesn't mean that I'm not skewed by things and that I could be wrong um, about other things, but that's, that is sort of the approach. So to kind of, to kick that to where they can go next season and the way that Palenka has been building the roster, what one of the things that I've admired is that while all of the stuff that we just talked about, all of the different moves, there isn't, there isn't something on the, on the, the roster right now that's like, oh, well, that's an albatross, right? That they have to get rid of. Now the mm -hmm. loss that they have going forward is that they have they still have two future first round picks uh, that are going to go out to New Orleans at some point and a swap. But one of them that is not this year. They have the twenty eighth pick, and that is Jesse Buss Zone, 
Okay, that is exactly uh, where they have done great uh, in the past. Kuz was 27. Hart was 30, right? Thomas Bryant a little bit later, but 42. Uh, Zubots was 32. Like this is, this is right in a nice range where I expect that if they, if they keep the player, they'll add a nice piece there. Uh, Horton Tucker going to continue to, to develop. And this is the best year, Darius, to have the mid-level exception. Yeah. When, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams out there that either aren't going to want to spend money. Um, or if a guy's got to choose, like, the Lakers is always going to be, speaking of tiebreakers, as we, as we spoke of earlier with LeBron, like, if I've got a chance to come and make the same money and play next to LeBron and AD and the rest of that roster under uh, Frank Vogel, the defending champions, live in Los Angeles, like, what, what a, a great advantage that they have over all these other teams to fill that spot. And, like, so to me, that Palenka has now shown that he's had really good plans for this group. Now they've all seen what their identity has become. Which yeah. grew, as Pete, you alluded to earlier, with, with the defense, with the two-way guys, um, with the, you know, with some shooting on the perimeter and, and staying big at times, being able to go small. Like they, I don't know if they had that clear blueprint, even though Vogel had laid it out to an extent. So it, to me, it should be easier now, uh, with A, with the resources they have and B, with the identity that they now, that they now possess as a roster. So A, I agree with all that, Mike. If we're looking at challenges though, going into next season, I think that there's a couple of things that I look to that could be potential hurdles or decisions that the team is going to have to make that speak to allegiances and and that sort of want to run it back versus what's the best version of the team that we can build and and what do you give up in order to get better per se, right? Like I would say that this team, the one that won the championship, obviously they won. And I think you got the best version of all of these guys in key moments in order to win. And I think that that's a key component of nearly every championship team. This team though, going into this upcoming off season, They've got a bunch of guys who have player options, and those guys coming off of a championship season, they may decide that they want to opt out, right? Um, there have already been reports that Rajon Rondo may potentially opt out. There have been thoughts that KCP may opt out. You've got guys like Jared Dudley and Dwight Howard who are on one-year deals. There's a lot of this roster was built over a two-year window, and the first year happened to be a championship one, right? And so... To me, there's a question of if all these guys opt out, do you bring them all back? How much does that cost? Or do you want to go in a different direction, identifying who is vital to keep and who could potentially be allowed to explore potentially greener pastures for them as a player as they make individual decisions? And, and, and so to me when there is an emotional pull and then there is the idea that you sort of spoke of mike about like i'm coming at this more from an outsider's perspective of like i don't bleed this per se right like there are all these benefits if the team does well but the flip side is that okay well i do need to be a little bit calculating here maybe i do have to look at this with a with some colder eyes in order to not get caught caught up in this was a championship team. And so Pete, a question I would have for you is how do you think the organization tries to strike the best balance between like I love this team. 
they just won a championship and how can you actually make that better and what does that mean in terms of potentially losing guys from this roster in order to accomplish that because that's a push and pull that is going to be tricky I feel like for any decision maker there's an attrition that comes with winning titles where people who played roles in that will be prime candidates to be promoted in some way shape or form in whatever their career path is right so Derek Fisher for example was part of a three-peat team and was a key role player on each of those titles. And soon thereafter, he signed a, I believe, six-year, $36 million deal with the Golden State Warriors to become a well-paid starting point guard in the NBA rather than filling the role on a title team as he had, right? So he was promoted both in terms of role and in, and financially. There are going to be coaches and there are going to be players that – are able to build their careers uh, and go to the next step in their careers as a result of their experience with the Lakers and there might not be a spot for somebody to to grow to the degree that to the degree that they want to and so that's the natural order of having a championship team of being successful the rest of the league wants whatever part of that magic there was and that's the other component right and what i think palinka's biggest challenge is is that there is some magic to to this team there was something to love to hold on to palinka's challenge is to be able to retain and and add to that just as it is to add to the shooting and to add to the defense right and so it's this this multifaceted approach to building a team but that's also like the fact that that was the other part of what he did last summer where he got a lot of shooting and he got a lot of defense but he also got good dudes like Jared Dudley, Quinn Cook, those guys are great, great guys to have around and for this long ass season where it was especially grueling for a number of reasons being in a, in a hotel with them for three Three months having all of that right Polinka's challenge is is the same this year as it was last year but he covered a lot of ground in these last 18 months or so I think back to 2009 so right so my first year 0809 they win the title and they basically make one offseason move and that's to bring in Ron Artest and to, to you know reluctantly let Trevor Reza go and that was a, a title, a repeat winning move. Uh, it was new blood, as good as Trevor was. And I know that was hard for Laker fans at the time to see him go. Ron was just better. He was better overall defensively. He was just a better all-around player. And I thought they needed that uh, that just uh, toughness and that intensity that he brought. And that's not – look, maybe they could have won with Ariza in some kind of a different move. But I, I say that to to bring it to this current situation – you keep your core intact, right? At the, at the core of that team, of course, was Kobe, Powell, Lamar, uh, and then Bynum. And it was the size. It was the length, right? It was the, That was the, the tenacity. The core of this team is LeBron and AD and the defense. And then I, you can include, you know, Caruso in there. You can include kind of the, the green KCP two-way wing thing, Bradley. But, like, they will have options, uh, whether, whether it's to just bring the bulk of those guys back or to add a key piece here or there, depending yeah. on what's available, depending on what the price is. And I think that you you build off the trust that Palinka has has earned now from building this roster to to think that he'll pull the right strings there, and and also you know you you also talked to LeBron and AD about it, which was you know Vogel and Palinka were so good all year. LeBron yeah. is a is a basketball genius, like he yes. knows a yes. lot of things too. So the, between that, all of that brain trust, um, I I I think I don't mean to say that it doesn't matter, but I think whether or not you re-sign 
four guys as opposed to five and, you know, that to me is less significant than keeping that, that, that structure around LeBron and AD. If I could bring it back to a point that we were talking about earlier, it's that idea of benefit of the doubt. Whatever lack of it that existed 18 months ago is now all the way on the other side of the spectrum in terms of that. And this team and the decision makers, and I think now, since this podcast is about him, especially Rob Polinka, he has engendered that benefit of the doubt, and he's earned it, right? Yeah. And and when LeBron says, you know, Rob wants his damn respect, yeah, we're here to give it to him. He built a championship team. He did it in one off season, right? LeBron, obviously, from the previous off season, who was, I think, a little bit of a part of a championship roster, right? The finals MVP. But the rest of this roster was basically a we're putting we're putting this thing together overnight over the course of seventy two hours. He built out a championship team and. We're here to give that guy his flowers, this podcast. And um, for all the doubts that existed 18 months ago, he proved that all of those were, to a certain extent, off base and short-sighted because this dude did it, man. He built a winner. He absolutely did. And here's to him uh, making it even a little bit better. And that's that's how we feel with uh, adding our guy Mike. Looking forward to doing this with you a lot more. Man, you add so much to the show. It's it's really cool to have you. My pleasure, folks. Been been awesome. Looking forward to talking to you in a couple days. All right, man. Until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's game. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Score. Missing. Bryant. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.